Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, 10 o'clock. How are you? Oh, come on, guys. That was week 8.30 beat you. Come on. You got to bring it a little bit more than that. Let's try it again. Good morning, 10 o'clock. How are you? There we go. Listen, that's awesome. Y'all good. All right. Well, my name is Pastor Josh. I have the privilege of being the executive pastor here. I also have the privilege of overseeing all of our staff on a weekly basis. And as you're going to find out very quickly into my message today, I am very black and white. There is no gray area in my life. So that being said, drum roll, today's topic is complaining. Yes, I know you guys are so stoked. I saw all these notebooks come out and pens and there's going to be smoke coming off of them and everything. Y'all ready? You got this. Look at your neighbor. Tell them it's going to be tough. But it's in love. Remember that because you can't complain because we're talking about that. So taking that one out of the equation for you. Anyway, I'd get to tell our staff all the time that you can either make an excuse or you can make a difference. And it's, it's a point that we drive home to try to push everybody that we come in contact with to take another step in the things that God has for them. I love what Pastor Chad said last week that what you permit, you promote. And so we drive that home to our team leaders and our, and our staff because if you allow it to happen, it's just like you did it. And so today I want you to keep those things in mind as this is going to be heavy. I know we're not gonna, you're not going to shout me down. This is a heavy word today, so just... Be ready, but have an open heart and an open mind. And I promise that we're going somewhere, so just stick with me. So today, the last couple weeks in Taming the Tongue, we have dealt with gossip, which I know y'all were thrilled about last week. And the week before, we talked about criticism. And today, you get complaining. So I'm super excited. I might have had to revise this message a couple times to bring it down to make it a little bit more user-friendly because I'm very blunt in everyday life. So you are welcome. (laughs) All right, but before I start today, I want to share with you a story. Um, My dad's 50th birthday was coming up three or four years back, and I wanted to do get him something really awesome. You know, like when you're in elementary school and... You get to like shop at the school and then you get to like bring a present home to your parents and you're like, you can't wait, you can't wait. You're like, open it 17 days before Christmas. Listen, y'all quite act better than that. I mean, come on, you gotta give me something to work with here. I'll preach all day. The more feedback y'all give me, the shorter I preach. So we're gonna be here a while. Just so y'all know. 1130, just come on in, worship with us. But anyway, I wanted to get my dad something awesome, and I was like, all right, I'm going to get him tickets to a basketball game. And I actually found one that was actually on his 50th birthday. He's been a a lifelong WU fan like myself, and so I found tickets to the first ever Big 12 game at the Coliseum, and I knew it was going to be a tough ticket to get, 
But I was like, all right, I'm just, we're going to figure it out. This is what we're going to do. And so I go online, and if some of you are like me, you're a little bit older, when you used to go online, to, you couldn't go online to order tickets. You used to have to call them on the phone, and you didn't know what seat you got. So like, you call them, and you're like, yeah, I want to be in the arena. And they're like, all right, that'll be whatever. And you give them your credit card, and you roll on. And you don't know until like six weeks later where your ticket actually is. But now we're so in this high-tech world, we have convenience. And so I went on to their site to purchase tickets for my dad's 50th birthday. And I saw this giant map of the Coliseum and I saw all the different colors. And so I started looking and the first ones were green and they were like way up high, but they were like really, really affordable. I was like, yes, we can do this. And then I looked at the blue ones and they were a little bit lower. They were on lower deck, but they were a little bit more pricey. And then I saw where I really wanted to sit. I saw the gold seats. And I'm pretty sure that if this were the court, that those seats are right here. And that when they call a timeout, that you get to be in the huddle and maybe hand them the ball to inbound it. <laughs> and then I looked at the price. And it might have costed more than my car for one ticket. I was like, well, we're not doing that today. So what ended up happening, I said what we all say. I said, there can't be a bad seat in the building, right? Anybody ever said that? Anybody ever, ever have to live or die by that phrase? I did. So my dad and I get there. We go through the gates. We go through security. And first of all, there's a separate, okay, you just got to understand this. There's a separate level to go down on the floor. And then there's a separate entrance to go up to the mid-level. And then there's like, this really strange, out-of-the-way top entrance to go like all the way to the top. Well, that's where ours were. So we go through, we get on this little concourse thing, and we go up, and we're walking up, okay? And I look up. Now I know that the Z on my ticket meant for the last row at the top of the, at the, top of the Coliseum. I did not know that at the time when I picked them, because in real life, it looks much bigger than it does on the map that's that big. So we walk up the steps, and I'm walking, and I'm walking, and I'm walking, and I look up, and we still have like 80% left to go, and I'm like, this is going to be a long day. <laughs> and now, if you've heard me preach before, you've heard me tell the story of like when my family and I, when we go to like theme parks and stuff, I'm not the guy that wants to ride. I'm the guy that wants to stand and eat the nachos and the cheeseburger. Well, this might have been a detriment during this season as I was walking up the steps, because about halfway up... started breathing a little heavy. You know, your calves start to burn a little bit like you've been on a Stairmaster for like 72 years. And I thought I was going to have to stop for food and water. That's how high up we really were. <laughs> so we finally get to our seat. Rosie. I realized that when I sit down, I can turn around and touch the top outside wall of the Coliseum. This is awesome. But what I didn't realize is that my perspective might have been a little bit off because when I turned around, I couldn't see nobody on the court. It looked like little dots moving around. I couldn't tell what team was what. I couldn't see nameplates. I was like, I can't tell if black or gray has it, but they kind of all look at the same right now. So we ended up watching most of the game on the big screen, which was okay because I put my dad's name up for his 50th birthday and he felt special. 
But my perspective was really off because that entire day, while we were going through that moment that I just explained to you, I complained through all of that. I looked around to my dad. He never said one negative word. He, the smile never left his face. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, and he was just happy-go-lucky to be there and smiling that he got to spend time with me and all of these things, and it was something he had never done. And I, oh, It frustrated me because I'm like, why am I the one complaining when I'm the one that picked the seats? And here you are. This is your present, and you're having a great time. I know now that as I was sitting there, God really checked me spiritually about my perspective and my outlook on that entire day. Because what I should have seen, I should have seen big picture about the blessing it was to have that entire day together. Not about the terrible seats that I picked, obviously. Won't make that mistake again. Next time we're paying some more. But it baffled me that the smile never left his face. And some of you know some people like that. And as we really start to dive into this complaining topic today, I mean, every seat in that arena was in the arena, but every seat had a different vantage point. But not only when we got to the top row could I touch the wall, there were also columns in front of us that were peeking around watching the game when we're not watching the screen, right? So we had an obstructed view. It's something I'll never forget. But when I think back on that day, I'm kind of mad at myself because I remember complaining when I should have been grateful. But I was the one that picked the seats. It got me thinking, though, how come my dad didn't complain like I did? See, so many things in life depend on our perspective. I found myself thinking that all the people in all the seats in front of us were so special. I complained that they could see without things blocking their view. And then God just checked me. How that so many people can be in the same room and see such different things. It depends on our perspective that determines how we see it. If we criticize and complain on things that we have very little info about, then shame on us. Some of us like to complain about things that don't matter in the grand scheme of eternity. I should have been able to see big picture. At the end of the day, what we all really want is to pay for the cheap seats and sit in the gold ones. But we have no idea the price that others have paid to get to those seats. <clears throat> Our seats are determined by the price that we each are willing to pay. So as funny as that story is, when I begin to think about it on a spiritual level, it wrecks me. Today I want to ask you a simple question. Where's your seat? See, God allows us to sit wherever we want in the arena of the kingdom of God. But what we must understand is that in order to sit up front to be this close, there is a price tag that is attached that we must be willing to pay. If we don't talk about the price tag, then what can happen 
is a lot of people in the church as a whole, the body of Christ, get an attitude problem because of the seat that they are sitting in. And somehow they think they've been, giving a, get, been given a bad seat. Then we start complaining. How come they get to sit in that seat and I don't? I've done just as much as they have. What we need to understand is that God is saying to us, you can change your seat whenever you want to. You're just going to have to pay a higher price. What does that mean? It means I love that, that Brandon talked about getting in next steps next week. <clears throat> because there is nothing like serving that will shift our perspective from us to him. And so if you have not been through Next Steps, I encourage you to sign up next week and get on the dream team and start serving others. Because it's, I'm telling you, you can come in and you can have had a terrible week and you can come in and start serving others and God just jolts you back in the line. But you know what that means in order to serve more? Do you know what it means? It means that you're going to have to make the time. You're going to have to make the time to serve more. You're going to have to come early. You're going to have to stay late. Put in an effort to make a bigger commitment in order to change your seat. It's all about your perspective when we begin to discuss complaining. I've never heard a sentence where someone was complaining where they also were not criticizing. So a lot of today's message will tie back into week one of criticism because normally they go hand in hand. If we truly want to reach the goals and promises that God has for us, we will have to make a commitment to move our seat. Hear me, no matter what it takes. It's always going to require something to go to the next level. But oftentimes in church, we have a strange mentality about what it is that God needs from us or what God is looking for. Or sometimes we think that God has favorites and he kind of, you know, saves a front row seat for them. How many people in here have ever saved seats for somebody at a venue? What is the first thing that we do? Well, if you're wearing a hat, it's coming, a scarf, a jacket, and before you know it, you've got an entire row. Like, they're coming, I promise. I promise every other seat in the arena could be. They'll be here in three minutes. They're just late. You should have been here on time. That's all I'm saying. Black and white, okay? No gray. <laughs> But it's not like that with God. God doesn't save seats for his favorites. He says you can sit anywhere you want, anytime you want. But how much are you willing to pay for it? The problem is, is that some of us are in the wrong seats. Now hear me before you start complaining. Some of us need to take a step towards movement. The past couple of weeks... Pastor Chad's brought great messages about taking the thoughts captive and, and how not to gossip and how not to criticize. I'm wired a little bit different. I want action to the step because if you come in and you sit and you hear it, that's amazing. But if you leave here and do nothing about it, then we did it all for nothing. You have to put action to it. So today there will be an action step. Some of us, we just need to take a step towards movement. But it will not happen as long as we keep complaining and whining about the view from the seat that we are currently in. 
See, God is drawn to people that take a step. James 4 verse 8 says, If you draw near to God, He will draw near to you. That's an amazing promise. Some of us need to make a decision to close our mouths and take a step forward. This will mean, and I know you're going to love this part, this will mean that some of us need to step out of our comfort zones. Some of us will need to quit playing the victim. If you want to reach the good things that God has for you, you must stop complaining about your obstructed view and wait for it. Quit talking to others about it. Turn to your neighbor, because I know they're so into this right now, and tell them, move your seat. Told you it's going to be tough, but it's going to be good. See, Jesus was drawn to people that would do things for themselves, and then he would do what they could not. Here's where it's going to get real heavy, and y'all going to want to complain, but don't. You're better than that. So many times, we want our pastors and our church support staff to move our chairs for us. And yes, we are here to help guide you as you pursue Christ, but I can't do it for you. You have to take the step. The Bible talks about ministers equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. We are here to help God as you pursue Christ. But so many times, here's what we do as church folk. I've been around church folk for a long time. Oftentimes, we want to go to church and say to our pastor, Pastor, I think I need this seat. Awesome. We would love you to have that seat. But you know what that seat requires? It requires you to go ahead and put in an audition, to go ahead and come to rehearsal each week, to go ahead and come and run sound, go ahead and come early, stay late, open the building, close, lead a small group, participate in three others. And so many times when we say that, they're like, oh, I don't want that seat. I'm comfortable in the back where I don't have to do anything and nobody wants anything from me. There will always be a demand on your life that you must fulfill. It's so funny that as you come and serve, our staff has told this to many people over many years, that as you begin to serve, they say, I want to serve, I want to do this. We love you too. Come and serve behind the scenes for the next six months. I promise it'll change your life. It will also change your perspective on everything that happens inside and outside of this building. And as you begin, the crazy part is that as you begin to do that, God will change your perspective. Change your perspective. Is it tough? Yes. Is it a sacrifice? Yes. Everybody under the sound of my voice today has a purpose and you have a talent. Pastor Chad said this in week one when he had you stand up, turn around, and look at your seat. He said, The worst thing that you can do is do nothing. Because there are people that are dying and going to hell because we choose not to serve. 
There are people that need to hear your story, see your gifts, see your talent, see your heart working in the body of Christ. See, so many people want others to move their chairs for them because at that point, then the fun part happens. Then you just get to come, be the face of something, wave. Oh, life is so good. It's not how this works. You just don't get to come and do the fun stuff. You don't know the price that was paid for each person that's a chair closer than you are. My first two years of ministry, about 20 years ago at this point, I spent cleaning bathrooms. And some people may just think it was cleaning bathrooms, but to me, I was so excited to do it. Because to me, I was doing it as unto Jesus. And I don't tell you this because of look at me. I tell you this because serving changed my life. And somehow, as I cleaned those bathrooms a few hours a week for those two years, God was teaching me to be faithful in the small things. And in my mind, it was one less thing that the lead pastor had to worry about. And that somehow when somebody got saved on Sunday, I felt like I had a small part in it because they had clean bathrooms. Just saying, that's how my mind works. I felt like I added value. Everybody under the sound of my voice today can add value to the kingdom. I know, that's good. Everybody needs a purpose. But you will never fulfill yours if you can't stop complaining and criticizing others who are in seats closer than yours. Again, I say we all want a front row seat, but each and every one of us want to pay the nosebleed price. When I read scripture, it reminds me that Jesus was drawn to people that moved their seat. And in my mind, I don't understand how people can stay in a seat where they are miserable when there's another option. There's no gray area. I don't understand. Like, if you're not happy in the seat you're in, move. Like, I don't get it. Make a step. Choose your seat. But in John 5, 5, there's a story. It says, one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew how long he had been ill, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, the man said. Sounds to me like he's complaining. For I have no one to help me get into the pool at the movement of the water. While I am trying to get there, someone else always gets in ahead of me. Hmm. We'll let that sit in for a minute. Jesus told him, stand up, roll up your sleeping mat and go home. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up the mat and began walking. You see, when Jesus came by, the man had a choice to stay where he was. But I love how Jesus asked him a question. He said, do you want to be well? And the whole point of this series of Taming the Tongue is, do you want to be well? Do you really want to take every thought captive? Do you really want to be your best you and walk in what God has for you? And so that's my question to you today. Do you want to be well? So yes or no, there's not a gray area in this question. But hear me. Most of us 
are okay just sitting in our recliners, whining and complaining about others, about our situations, and about things in our everyday life that we don't like. But all we have to do to change that is change our seat. It changes our perspective. It takes it off of you, the magnifying glass, and makes it big picture. When we begin to change our seat, something amazing begins to happen. God begins to shift our perspective from us to Him. There's another story in the Word that I really like in Jonah 4, 4 through 11. It says, But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Let me give you some backstory. In Jonah 2, he's in a whale. Everybody knows that story, right? At the end of Jonah 2, God tells the whale to vomit him up on dry land. Chapter 3, God tells him to go back to Nineveh, preach the gospel that he told him to, that he ran away from the first time. And he goes to the city and he proclaims that in 40 days, God's wrath will be on you if you don't turn around. So here we are in chapter 4. Jonah has just went outside the city, and this is where we pick it up. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. I want you to make a note of this. Verse 7. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm. God provided. Hold on. Which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. Whew. Mm. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did nothing to tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. See, some of us are like Jonah. We get mad, we start whining, complaining if God doesn't handle things the way we think they should be handled. He's standing outside the city mad, throwing a temper tantrum, having a pity party because God wasn't going to destroy the city that 120,000 people had repented. If anybody should have known the grace and the mercy, two chapters ago, he's inside of a whale. I don't get it. Like, this is just, this is the gray area that frustrates my life. So, he should have known better. He should have had grace and mercy as it was shown to him. So, but so many times, that's us, guys. So many times, we forget where God brought us from. We forget where God brought us from. But here's my favorite part of that story is that God allowed the plant to grow up to shade Jonah's head from the sun 
while he's sitting up there having a bad attitude, complaining, and having a pity party. God's like, you know what? You look a little toasty. Let me give you a plant, cool you off a little. And what he was doing, let's call it like we see it, he was throwing a temper tantrum. Like any two-year-old at Walmart, when you say no for any reason in that store. Y'all ever been there? Listen, y'all ain't that holy. Come on now. Y'all been there. We know how kids be. I've got twins that are almost five. We've had some many meltdowns in many places. Whew. But each of us have done this in our lives. We've been upset with God because he thought, we thought he should have handled something differently. Or we think that we should have a better seat because of all the things that we've done along the way. That's not how this works. You see, God will allow that for a while. If you notice in that text that God gave him the plant and he let him sit there and be mad and frustrated. But he didn't let him sit there long. Sometimes he'll allow you to process that stuff out. But the text also says, at dawn the next day, he provided a worm. For some of you today, I am God providing the worm to chew your plant down. You're welcome. Because it's when we get uncomfortable, right, that we really start making a step towards moving our seat and walking in the things that God has for us. Just like in the text, if we don't begin to move our seats and walk in the things that God has for us, I want you to hear me, many people will go to hell. Many people. There's something I want you to remember. I want you to take this home. You are the only Jesus some people on this earth will ever see. I saw a video a long time ago in youth ministry, and it was in a gymnasium, and this guy was playing basketball and talking smack and trying to dunk like LeBron. And at the end of the video, it flashed to this guy, obviously, who was a Christian who wasn't acting like it, and he ended up having a crown of thorns at the end of the video. And he had just ruined his witness with everybody on that court by the way he acted. We must move our seat. It's a scary thought for some of us to be the only Jesus that some people ever see. But we must do what we were created to do, and that is serve God's kingdom. It's not a Bethesda thing. It's not a West Virginia thing. It's a global thing bringing people to the body of Christ. Our job is to reach those that are far from God and help them find Jesus and welcome them into the kingdom. That's good. We can't reach lost people if we can't quit complaining about the season that we're in. For some of us, it's time to start a new season today. If you want to move your seat closer, it will take effort and you will have to have a perspective change so that you can see the big picture. We must learn to tame our tongues if we're going to walk in what God has for us. 
See, some of us have been making really bad choices lately. But you've been making really bad choices because you have an obstructed view. When you are in a season where you have an obstructed view, you cannot see to make big picture decisions. And quickly, I want to show you three things that we must have line up so that we can choose our seat well. Number one, our position. You have to change your position because your position affects what you see. Number two, I told you they were going to be quick. Your disposition. Because some of us are in the right seat, but we're in the wrong frame of mind. Your disposition affects what you hear and how you hear it. And number three, our supposition, which is the things that we assume, and this is the most important. Our supposition has to line up because it determines the things that we say. That's what this entire series is about. We have to be able to control what comes out of our mouth. And in John 20, we see a scripture that shows us all three. It's one of my favorites because in this text, we see Mary being able to see something that nobody else can see. Now, to give you some backstory, this is the same Mary that Jesus had to cast seven demons out of in Luke 8 2. You see, Jesus had changed her seat, therefore, he changed her perspective. And as the band comes back and I get ready to close, I just want to drive this point of scripture home. In John 20, Verse 1, it says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, I want you to take a note there, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. What is she doing here? She's choosing her position. She's choosing to change where she was and move so that she could have a different vantage point. See, she had been patiently waiting the entire day. I imagine that after, after they had buried him, like she was anxious to go to the tomb, but in that time the custom was is that you cannot leave the house on the Sabbath, and so she had to wait inside the house for an entire day, the Word talks about. So I imagine she's sitting there, and she's like making her plans like the night before. Okay, if I get up at three, I can be there, and it won't, like I can go, it'll be okay. And I just imagine this is the thought that's going through her head the entire time. Sure, she had many things to complain about, She had just lost Jesus, who was a dear friend to her. Somebody who had changed her life. But she also knew of what God had done for her and how much better she was when she was close to him. She knew how much better she was when she was close to him. And I love this part because Mary could have been like, no, no, no. I don't feel like going to the tomb today. I already missed yesterday because I couldn't go because it was the Sabbath. If I just go in a couple days, it'll be fine. He'll be there. She also didn't say, well, I've had a lot of emotional stress this week watching Jesus die. So I'm not going to go to the tomb. I need a couple days to just do me. She was very intentional about what happened next. 
very intentional. Because moving your seat will always require sacrifice. She chose her position because position affects what you see. It says, so she came running to Simon and Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. I'm going to paraphrase the next couple of verses. The disciples end up going to the tomb. There's nothing there but the linen that Jesus was once in. We're going to jump down to verse 10. It says, Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. It's so funny that after they had seen the empty tomb, they're like, eh. And they're going back to what they were doing. But verse 11 says, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? You see, she was in the right position. But her disposition had not yet lined up. She was in a place crying that she should have been rejoicing. Some of us have been there. She was mourning at a place that he was already risen. And the angels are asking her questions to help get her perspective where it should be. Why are you crying? He's alive. That's why it's so important for us, church, to get our disposition lined up. Because it affects what we hear and how we hear it. Oftentimes as we transition to the place where God wants us to be, we are so oftentimes in the right place with the wrong behavior. Our old self is still there. Our old flesh is still wanting to rise up and do A, B, and C. Why are you crying, Mary? We must understand that we can't hear God clearly when we're crying. And in verse 13, it says, They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. Hear me. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. This is why we must line up our supposition. Because Mary at this point is facing Jesus. She's having a conversation with him. And she has no idea who she's talking to. She couldn't see it. Listen to this. In verse 15, he asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you were looking for? Now check this out for something embarrassing to be written about you in the Word of God. It says, Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Some of us today have been in that place where God is speaking directly to us, but we had no clue. Because often our minds go to the worst, go to the negative. It's how we're wired in this culture. 
But just because God is asking you to move your seat and take a step forward into what he has for you, it doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that he hasn't forsaken you, that he's forsaken you because he has not. And I've said everything up to this point to say this next line. In verse 16, it says, Jesus said to her, Mary. And I think so many times we overlook this moment. It says, she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Because she had had relationship with him. Right? They did. She was at a bunch of the miracles that he did. She traveled with the disciples a lot of the time. And she knew that when he called her name, she knew instantly who it was. He calls her by name and all of a sudden, not one, not two, but all three things lined up. She was in the right place. She got rid of her tears. And now she was seeing and thinking in perspective because he said her name. As you stand with me today. It's been my prayer all week that today somebody in this room would hear their name called. As we battle our flesh, as we tame the tongue, some of us just need to be reminded that God knows our name. And that when He says it, everything else in the world stops. Every head bowed, every eye closed. One more point before we do a couple things. Complaining will halt God's promises. The word complain in the Hebrew is the same word used for lodging or meaning to camp. Meaning that anytime complaining starts, your progress will stop. Don't camp outside the promises of God because you're complaining. It's time to move your seat. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want to do a couple things. If you're in this room today or you're watching online and you don't know Jesus, you don't even think that you have a seat. Well, let me tell you, you have a seat. And God has something amazing for you. But you have to be willing to step into it. I won't embarrass anybody, but I'm going to give you an opportunity that if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, if you would just slip your hand up long enough for me to see it. If you just slip your hand up long enough for me to see it. God, I thank you for this moment. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you. God, that you're calling your children by name today. Something else I want to do is if you are struggling with taming the tongue or maybe you're just in a season and it's dry and it's desolate and you can't see where the water's coming from, you're stuck in the desert and the enemy's hitting you from the front, the back, the left, the right, top, bottom. God has something better for you than that. You have to make it through that season. We don't have to understand why in every season. Sometimes we just have to survive and get to the other side of what God has for us. 
because there is something amazing that he wants to do through you. So if you've been in a tough season, wherever this finds you, you've been in a tough season and you just need God to speak your name today, thank you for that one online. You've been in a tough season. I just want you to throw your hands up. I want to pray over you. You're in a tough season. You're not sure which way is up, but you know that you're going to come out of this stronger than you went in. God, right now, I pray for each and every person under the sound of my voice. God, in-house and watching online, God, I know that everybody is fighting a hard battle. But God, I know that you have plans for us to prosper us, God, to move us forward. And that, God, that you just want to bring us out. So, God, I ask that while we are in these difficult seasons, God, that you would allow springs and wells, God, just to pop up in the dry areas, God. That we don't know how things will be taken care of, God, but we know that you did it. God, I just ask, God, that you would give provision and guidance and wisdom and covering, God, right now. God, I ask that you would give favor on your people, God. As we just continue, God, to try to tame our tongue, God. We ask that you would help us with that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Bethesda, we have one online. Let's pray. I want everybody to repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. That you would come into my heart. And that you would be my Lord and my Savior. As I turn from my sin, God. Save me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's celebrate. Woo! Well, thank you so much for allowing me to be with you today. I love you all. As we open these altars, if you need prayer for anything, we would love to come alongside you and pray with you for whatever your need is. Let's worship. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.